0: In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. If I even see one uh, newer face in the congregation, I need to give this disclaimer. What you witnessed as we processed in is the Great Litany. It's a tradition in the Episcopal Church. It happens one time a year, usually. (laughs) It's very clear that I was out of practice of chanting, so I, um, you won't hear anything again like that for about 380 days. <laughs> but if you're wondering what we we're chanting, it's found on page 148 of the Book of Common Prayer. You're welcome, you're welcome to open your prayer books throughout the sermon, to, to read through, to see those words, to see, to see if they strike a chord. And if, you're, and if you're wondering, when as, I, as I read those prayers, when I read the litany that we read on Ash Wednesday, it's like, oh my God, that's not me. <laughs> they hit me pretty close to home. And I think often there's kind of two responses you can have to these overarching prayers. You can either be like, oh my God, that is everything that is about me, or you can be really defensive and say, none of that applies to me. Most of us are probably somewhere in the middle. But in these prayers and our faith, you know, there's, there's those two extremes. We can be defensive or we can be open. And I want you to consider those extremes. As we gather here on the first Sunday in Lent, we have entered a metaphorical wilderness. And I'd like to offer one possibility of what wilderness could be. It is certainly not the only vision for wilderness, but it's the one that I have today. In the Gospel from Mark that we've just heard, the Spirit immediately drives Jesus out into the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan. With the wild beasts and the angels wait on him. 40 days, it's our vision for Lent too, that we are driven into the wilderness, finding temptation and challenges just as Jesus did. One way of parsing wilderness is to juxtapose it with where Jesus has come from or what wilderness is not which is not the large towns and communities with some sense of stability and structure. So you think about it, when we gather as community, when you live in a community or a city or a civilization, you you live with certain norms and expectations and rules that define that community. I mean, think about St. Stephen's. We have norms and rules and expectations. I actually expect you not to be on your cell phone this very moment. Hope nobody's busted. (laughs) We expect that each person who walks through those doors is seen as a child of God, welcome and included and valued. You probably share the expectation that whatever you have done, whatever you have left undone, Whatever your story is and it's Lent, whatever the sins are that you have committed, that you are still welcome in extended grace in Christian community. Other norms are that, that we all contribute in different ways to building up the kingdom of God. You probably also expect your clergy to cultivate their own spiritual lives, and to work to be as healthy as possible. You've expected me to be prayerful and discerning in the message that I share with you. And yes, there's always a a grace that needs to be extended. You might not exactly get what you wanted to hear, and if it doesn't resonate, you still have squirrels and dancing leaves and daffodils, and 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 in a month, maybe some dogwoods blooming. But there are norms and values of our community. That shape our lives. What are some of the norms and values that shape our society and what we come to expect to be to feel safe and to be generative people? For us in the United States many of these values are scripted by the Constitution interpreted over time. When we live in a community or city we have expectations. If our house catches on fire We hope that our taxes will support a department coming to mediate our problem. We expect that if we drive the speed limit, we should be safe. We expect that if we're driving only 79 miles an hour in a 70, that we should be safe from getting a ticket. At least that's what I have in my head. Forgive me, Father, for sinning, sorry. (laughs) We expect things to be fair and equitable. And when there's a sense of unfairness, we become frustrated and push against that system. We have these norms within community. And so the movement out into the wilderness, we lose those foundational pillars. I mean, the mind, as I write my sermon, that came to mind is people leaving 175 years ago to go west with a chance of wealth. and, And that opportunity for them was greater than the safety and security of society. So they ventured into a wilderness at great risk and loss and danger, a place without structure, without norms or different norms, without safety. But it's in stepping into the wilderness that we actually get a different look at our own norms and values of community. We can see beyond what we're in. Last weekend, there were several of us from St. Stephen's who joined others at the 193rd Convention of the Diocese of Alabama. We gathered in Montgomery, welcomed by St. John's Episcopal Church. And convention is a time to hear from the bishop and staff and the departments of the diocese, to reconnect his family, to be reminded that we're all part of a larger community. Those that, that went to convention, that signed up, were offered tickets to the, to the Legacy Museum that was created by the Equal Justice Initiative. It's a few blocks behind St. John's Episcopal Church. And it tells the story of slavery all the way until, to mass incarceration. The founder of EJI spoke here about a decade ago and, and, and when I was a, a much younger priest, um, Brian Stoltz's book *Just Mercy* was a powerful awakening in my own formation of trying to understand the justice system. I was surprised at <clears throat> how much of a sensory experience the museum would be, making us imagine the transatlantic slave trade and tracing the history of slavery through South America and Europe and the Caribbean and our own country. There were testimonies that had been recorded from people who had been slaves, and they were placed in the forms of holograms. I found myself reading all the quotes by politicians and justices and even our Supreme Court justices. I felt myself yelling inside, how could they not know that they were wrong? It was a painful reminder that we don't always get it right. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we've made a much better system or a much better response to the atrocities of the past. Now, I'm telling this story because I offer this image of a wilderness, of when you step outside of the system that you're in to examine what you're a part of. And I I kind of wanted to go to the museum for a long time, but if I'm honest, I'm not sure I really wanted to face our past in that way of what it would do to me emotionally. For me, It felt like I was walking into a wilderness to gain a vantage point. And I I say that because a vantage point is filled with temptation. At least from our our gospel narrative, we hear that the wilderness, Jesus, is filled with temptation. And I think there's an opportunity to be tempted to be self-righteous. Oh, I'm so much better, I would never have done that. Sometimes there's a temptation to be guarded and tell a different story. Oh, these storytellers are wrong and exaggerating the past. But I think it's really, how do we break our hearts open just to, to be open to a different story? And, I, and maybe it's important that this is not about shame or guilt. I mean, the great litany says, "Ask that we, you know, we're forgiven from, we're not to be judged by our forefathers. Like, right? Sins. Like, grace is always extended. But there is a purpose of, of examining ourselves so that our hearts are torn in search of compassion, to receive the gift of the transformation of the wilderness. This is what I believe to be true. That I think our world breaks apart. That the kingdom is kept away when we are unwilling to examine our own lives and our own selves. The kingdom is kept away if we do not do self-work of the examining of our conscience, of our own participation, of our own sins, of our own brokenness and what we exist in. It's why we have to be driven into the wilderness every year for 40 days as followers of Jesus Christ. It's where he goes in order to do public ministry, and it's where he invites us It's why this litany is so important. Every one of us prays from all blindness of heart, from pride, from vainglory, from hypocrisy, from evil, from hatred, from malice, from all want of charity, good Lord, deliver us. From the inordinate and sinful affections and from the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil, good Lord, deliver us. That it may please thee to bring into the way of truth All such as have erred and are deceived, we beseech thee to hear us, good Lord. That it may please thee to give us a heart to love and to fear thee and diligently to live after thy commandments, we beseech thee to hear us, good Lord. Where is the wilderness lent that you may be called into? What is the vantage point you need to gain to get better clarity on your own life, In the life you dream to cultivate. My prayer is as we have entered into this season of Lent that we find ourselves in a wilderness, that it helps us to break our hearts open to love God and God's children more deeply. Amen.